Facebook blows. Yes, that is the, the title of here. That is what we're going to be talking about right now. How much Facebook? Not really. Not really. Everybody knows that Facebook blows. And I don't think I know a single person that hasn't been in Facebook jail yet. But uh, I keep getting thrown in it for this. And I have no idea why, because there's absolutely nothing offensive about it that I fucking think. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But yeah, I'm going to be moving all of the stuff off of Facebook because I found that the same thing happens. Like you open up a Spotify account. Now everything's linked together. And then suddenly like... You don't even really know what you did wrong because I mark everything on here as explicit. Next thing you know, you're locked out of everything with some arbitrary computer in the sky, probably not even connected to a real person. It's just AI and algorithmic form making the decision on whether or not you get to keep any of the shit you just put out. So, yeah, I'm going to be going somewhere else looking for something else, some other platform already. I better to just bite the bullet now and do it early because it'll tell me that, oh, someone tried to log into your account. Yeah, dumbass, that was me anyway rant ended thank you very much growing up crazy and uh here we talk about the one group one person that will never forgive you ever forgive you that's going to be today's subject one person will never forgive you no it is not your ex-wife you know who hates you even more than your ex-wife the brainy kid you picked on in school yes i know it's 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 strange to imagine but those people the people that pride themselves on intelligence the people that that's almost like their identity they have it wrapped up in there uh is their identity is is that they're smart and not only that but they're smarter than you that's a big part of it and uh, we all know and love him you know we all remember that guy yeah that guy he still hates you because <laughs> either you didn't date him or because you said something off the cuff to him one time and uh, you've forgotten long about it but they never forget and i'm going to be using a story about this to kind of prove the existence of god and the disexistence of billionaires is that a word it is now the disexistence of billionaires the lack of existence of billionaires it, it goes back to to college days i went to an engineer college for a couple years two or three years and uh the skeptics the founder of the skeptic society was in the college and he had a wonderful time disproving the existence of any sort of woo woo any sort of metaphysical of course everything could be could be explained right here and right now and if not we just haven't been able to work on it for long enough and i went to a couple of his talks because he was nationally known and it was interesting and just to hear hear everything that he said and it was a small town it was this uh, engineering college was in a small town as well so the t the students of the faculty actually all drank in the same bars as well you'd see your teacher in the bar all the time and at the time i was older too i wasn't just a kid i think i was 30 i guess when i went back to school for that and i saw him in the bar and I, uh, I went to approach him because I, I thought of something while he was speaking. And in my mind, it was just a, uh, an idea, an off-the-cuff idea that I wanted to present to him. Here I thought I'm joining in the scientific discussion. I'm joining in the debate. What I f didn't realize was that people that have careers, especially in academia, and careers in being smart, you know, they have initials after their names, they take these things very seriously, like being published. That's their entire identity. You don't attack an idea that they have. You don't even discuss an idea that they have. You agree with them. Or you are Carthage and your fields must be burnt and salted. One of the things that you probably don't know about me is when I get drunk, I... I think everything's okay. I think police officers have a sense of humor. I think my ex-girlfriend really does want to hear from me. I think all, a lot of shit that's just not true. Like, let's go get on that roof of that house we used to live in. I know that people are living there now that don't know us from Adam, but we'll just, you know, if they, we wake them up and they come outside, we'll just explain to them, hey, we used to sit up here and get drunk all the time. Don't mind us. Go back inside of your house while we hang out on your roof and get wasted or stay wasted. Yes. 
Uh, that is also a true story. Anyway, going back around, bringing it all back to the way it is. The, uh, so I approached this guy because his his uh, his whole theorem, you know, for, well, for disproving of spiritual matters as well, was, well, then how come nobody uh, with some sort of foresight, how come with somebody with no sort of like repeat, repeatable, verifiable scientific phenomenon, or not scientific, but a paranormal ability hasn't presented themselves to be studied yet? And, and I got to thinking about it, and I was like, well, who the fuck are you? Like, so, so the people that have put themselves forward to be studied are people that claim in and out, a quasi-ability that manifests sometimes and does not manifest in other times. Those are the people that have actually put themselves forward for these kinds of things. And that were just charlatans that have tried to just been trying to make a name for themselves by fooling stuff. But what I was thinking about is, I was like, you know, if somebody actually did have some sort of Repeatable, repeatable ability. Why would they tell anybody? Like, who in the world are you? Like, why in the world would you do that? I would be out picking lotto numbers. Like, and especially, so that's just to say a person that, that has precognition. You're, we're talking about divinity. We're talking about a, a, a consciousness that spans existence, the, the ethos. You say, well, how come nobody can come here and uh, prove God exists? Hey, God, do a miracle. Like, like a trick, you know, like we're going to do a magic trick for the sake of everybody uh, in, 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 in an office building somewhere. And I was just, uh, you know, first starting it off talking to him. But again, I'm, I'm not thinking about this right now. I was just like, aha, I had this idea. I want to share it with this guy who's the head of this society that he started, you know, has members nationwide. I'm like, oh, well, look, you know, was, you know, well, it's like, you know, I have a couple things I want to talk to you about with this. And said, so first, you know, about the proof of the existence of spiritual phenomena. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And I just had a napkin and just drop it. You know, like, like, what do you mean? What's that? I was like, there you go. That's your repeated, repetitive proof of spiritual phenomena. It's like, that's gravity. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm like, well, what is gravity? It's, it's, you know, what is it? You know, and then we got into that whole thing. And, you know, gravity is still not actually completely understood. We have theories about it, but none of these things, you know. We have descriptions about gravity, but actually what it is. We were getting to the nature of the universe and all of that. So we, we got in a little tangent that I won't bore you with here. But I was like, oh, but the only point I was making is like, oh, okay, a, a force that we don't completely understand, an invisible force made up of energy that we don't completely understand that affects all of creation simultaneously. Hmm, I thought you said that that doesn't exist. And then we got to it more and more and more. It's like, okay, so we want a conscious force. We want this force. We, so we've, we can understand that there definitely is non-physical reality that affects all of existence at the same time. That, of course, gravity being one of them. You know, we just don't think about it because it's omnipresent. But just because we don't think about it or just because we gave it a label and we assume we understand it, which we don't, you know, doesn't mean that it's not a non-physical force affecting all of creation. I was like, so, so what's the issue here? We're just a consciousness, right? We want a, a, a conscious force. Okay, why is it not conscious? You know, why is it not conscious? Well, who's to say it's not conscious? Okay, oh, because it doesn't communicate with us in English or a language that we would that we want it to communicate with us. We want it to communicate with us either as some sort of language or, like I said, like a magic trick. Come here and perform tricks for us. The um. The force that creates worlds to come here and uh, and do magic tricks, right? Okay. Well, good luck with that. But here was the way. Here was the rub. He was like, okay, well, you know, I understand, but you know, I, I kind of think that it's not 
the results that you're getting that's flawed. It's it's the experiment itself that's kind of a little bit flawed. You know, you looked at we've both been drinking, so I didn't pick up the signs right away of like the anger beginning to creep in. Like, who the hell am I? Just some pissant student, you know? And he's God only knows how many letters after his name he has. I'm like, well, according to according to your same experiment, using your same experiment, I can prove that billionaires don't exist. And I stood back in all my glory on the patio, and I was like, I demand that a billionaire appear before me right now and show me his stock portfolio or else I am not going to believe in their existence. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Come on, billionaires. If you do exist, come on down here to Socorro, New Mexico. I want you to come into the bar, come out onto the back patio deck where we are standing here waiting for your ass, you lazy motherfucker, and bring with me your stock portfolio. And I want to see some tax return information too here because I'm not about to believe that's your stock portfolio. I want to see some proof. Some proof that you exist before I agree to believe in you. And then, like, like I said, I didn't see the smoldering. I didn't realize what was going on. I'm like, you know, nobody's coming, you know. And I started to then kind of, like, explain, like, how I saw reality, which was completely unwelcome, but I didn't really quite get onto that. But <laughs> it's just like, you know, obviously billionaires exist. But if I want to ex- have a relationship with a billionaire, if I want to see one, if I want to experience what that is, I'm going to have to go where they are. And not only go where they are, I'm going to have to go where they are with the idea of trying to pursue a, a genuine relationship with them. Even if I go down to the Yacht Club, even if I go down to the Miami Yacht Club, there's probably a billionaire kicking in there. But if I just kick in the front door and I'm like, all right, who here is a billionaire? Let me see last year's tax return now, you know. No, no, absolutely. I'm going to get thrown out on my ear. <laughs> exactly. It's, let me just try that one out and let's, let's, uh, let's see how well that works out for you. You know, let's... let's Go for it. Let's only even make it through the front door. But, but if I go to where I think they might be, and with the intention of the genuine intention of having a, an honest relationship and a friendly relationship and a mutual relationship with somebody, then I just might meet somebody who, and we could, you know, form this relationship, form this bond. And sometimes it might be like, hey, you know, we're getting together on this weekend on my boat. You know, you want to come on, take a look. They're not going to invite them. I'm not going to become adopted. You know, it's just a billionaire here. But I might be invited to go out on the boat once or twice. You know, I go there like, holy shit. Look at this fucking thing. I had no idea this thing even existed. Like, like I'm trying to tell people about it later. Like, you don't understand. Like, the side opens up. And there's, like, a launch for, like, jet skis to come shooting out the side of this thing. Like, I, like you've never seen anything like it before. I didn't even know this existed until I got here. Thank you so much for letting me on your boat. That's how you actually get to meet a billionaire, with going to where they are and trying to pursue an honest relationship. Or else you're going to go the rest of your life believing that they don't exist. And the, the fault wasn't in your results. The fault was in your experimentation. Because, honestly, who the fuck are you? You know, and wrong thing to say to your professor, <laughs> I'll tell you what. So I, I, and I've experienced this throughout the course of my life before. I have I have thoroughly become acquainted with the taste of my own shoe. If you haven't been able to tell right now, I should write something called like, you know, a tugboater in, in Brainiac land. I don't know. But the, <laughs> that's why they call us tugboat trash, ladies and gentlemen. But the uh, so. Now this man hates me for life, but it gets to the point to where I was trying to make it for, you know, it's like, because you really do have to do this. This applies for all things paranormal. You have to go where it is and you have to pursue a relationship. And if this is true for something as quantifiable as a billionaire, another human being who the only difference between me and him is that he has more of an imaginary commodity and I still have to go by this. How much? So, so now we're talking about a divine consciousness that expands and it permeates all things, you know, to do parlor tricks.
You know what? I can't even get Soros down here to show me a couple pieces of paper. You know, so I think a lot of times we go looking for the limits of the universe and we find the limits of language instead. And we mistake those limits are for the limits of the universe. We mistake our own limits for the limits of the universe. And I just wanted to throw that one out there right now. And it kind of does tie into a lucid dreaming in a way because it does uh, kind of eases us into attachment and self-importance. And I'm going to be hitting on these a couple of times. But we'll go into attachment right now. And why attachment is so important as well, because take the example with the professor, you know, you, you, have, you create these ideas, we form these opinions, we form these descriptions, we have attachments to them, and then we cling to them. You know, and it really, in that clinging, in, we don't allow for the new. And we become centered in that waking consciousness, descriptive version of the world, and we begin defending it. And we don't allow for the new. And there really is two sides to our nature. I call it the waking consciousness, the dreaming consciousness, but you can call it whatever you want. Whereas one side, and I'm going to use directions, although there's really no directions to it. This is how I see it just in my mind, you know, when it happens. Um, There's the one side, it employs a type of awareness that I call direct knowing, where you know whatever your focus is upon and you see it in the way it's similar to you. And that's almost like our dreaming consciousness. And that's facing the universe as it's approaching us, the Taurus as it's approaching us, the, the, the oncoming infinity of possibility as it's approaching us. And its job, its job is it takes this, this infinite possibilities, this infinite selection of complete possibility. And through the force of our own perception, the force of our own will, it, it forms it together into a form that we can use. And it does it all on its own. It's, it's part of its own nature. It's part of our own perception. It really just takes this on, the oncoming, an oncoming infinite universe and arranges it in some way that it can be used. And then the waking part of our mind, the part that is a descriptive analysis, it's looking almost downstream. It's looking at the things that have already been sort of tied together. And it's using those as building blocks to create other things. But everything that it's playing with, everything that it's using to put together, has already been created and assembled by the will and the perception of our dreaming consciousness, of, of our spiritual self, we can say, because the dreaming consciousness is definitely much more closely tied to our spiritual self. You know, there's the, the physical mind and the spiritual mind, or the waking consciousness, or the dreaming consciousness, or however you want to break it down. But these are the two aspects of them. Is one deals with the in the moment, oncoming reality as it's rushing towards us of just infinite possibility. And it would be complete madness if we didn't have that spiritual side to ourselves to act as a buffer. And through the force of its very perception, actually takes this infinite possibility and arranges it into a usable format. It, it, your will is the force that makes it usable. Your will is the force that organizes it. And consciousness organizes energy naturally. And if you want to test this with me, go ahead and light a candle. This is what I used to do when I was a kid. Um, light a candle, light a stick of incense. If you're a kid, when your parents aren't home or they, they know you're up to something, they'll think you're smoking pot in there. Is really Well, that might have been a Gen X thing. I don't know the way it is right now. Light your incense. See what happens. Let me know. <laughs> but go ahead and light a candle, light a stick of incense, and then sit back and forget about it and really start praying. I mean, really connect with your breath and then connect with your breath, deep breath, into that very below the navel, that very pit of your stomach, really connect in that spot. And then once you have a feeling of that, once you have that feeling, that feel that really spark, that little flame that rests on the bottom of the bottom of your navel, then while holding the, the idea of that, while holding the feeling of that, also look out into the universe around you and connect that feeling with that feeling at large, that feeling of that divine spike, you'll then see that that feeling, that, that divine spark is actually reflected in the universe at large. And if you can hold those two perceptions at the same time of the infinitely small and the infinitely large, 
then a, a higher consciousness will descend upon you. It'll feel like it's almost descending upon you. But what it is is you're actually slipping into like a higher state of consciousness. You're actually slipping into your dreaming mind. That way, that was one of the first ways I really learned how to do it while I was awake is by holding the feeling. And it is a feeling, just the feeling of the divine spark below my navel, the infinitely small, and holding the feeling of the infinitely large at the same time. Originally, it really helps if you look at like a sky, like the horizon at nighttime is what I would do. You know, I look at just the horizon at nighttime while holding the feeling of, of my core, my being at the same time. And just something will descend upon you. Your mind will shut off and go away because it, your waking mind is descriptive and it can't keep making its descriptions while you're holding the feeling of the infinitely small and the infinitely large at the same time. So hold those two feelings. The waking mind will shut up and go away. Your dreaming consciousness will fall upon you, and it really feels like it's like a higher consciousness descending upon you, but it's still you. And then from that space, then just let yourself fill the spaces in between, the space between the infinitely small and the infinitely large. And and we'll get into a practice. And I actually had an idea. It's one thing for me to just talk about all this, but I, I got a camera, and I think I'm actually going to start doing video too. So I can take it with me into the woods or down to the beach and start making these videos so that you can really like see and, and doing these things. So you can actually see what happens and see what it's like. But for right now, I'm just going to find a different podcasting channel. And then uh, probably sometime this week, I'll throw up a video somewhere, wherever I decide to start plugging the stuff in at. But bringing it back to what I was talking about initially, if you want to see how consciousness actually affects energy, what I used to do when I was a kid. So do this, get into the higher state, get into your dreaming consciousness, really feel yourself, feel the spaces in between. And then you can start doing atonement, just atonement, either vowel sounds. I started off with just the three letters, E, A, O, and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and in just this entombment so it's it sounds like it's like a and just keep doing that into the room until you you become one with all of it and all the spaces in between and then open your eyes and look and you'll see the candles will be standing straight up the candle, the flame themselves will be standing straight up and the incense, the smoke, will be going straight from the incense stick all the way to the ceiling like a thin pillar, like not wavering, not fluttering at all. You know, not, well, I guess you had the AC on that might, or the fan on it, probably make it flutter. But if you're at a still room, you'll see that the extra energy inside of the room imposes an order on these things. It imposes an order on everything and you can see that reflected in the candle flame. You can see it reflected in the, this, the uh, incense, the smoke from the incense stick. Getting back to what we were all talking about before. So that's that's how... <laughs> Sorry. I really should break all of this stuff down up in this, into separate separate subjects. And I, and I will over time. I will over time. But so this is why attachment is so detrimental to us and especially to our spiritual practice because attachment really is the world of the waking mind it can also be a, a, a product of the dreaming consciousness as well we can become fixated on something on like an energetical thing um to to the exclusion of all else. like something can actually trap our pers- perspective when we're in the dreaming consciousness but i'm not going to get down too many tangents right now it's just being able to release the waking mind to get into the dreaming mind. And that is a matter of attachment primarily. And then the next is your focus. Once you're able to let go of that attachment, it's a question of your focus. That was a trick I did, the infinitely small with the infinitely large. So that would be good. So we could talk a lot about self-importance and attachment, but I'm going to keep my word here and just keep it for right now very simple because what it has to do with 
right now and what I'm talking about is being able to let go of the conscious mind, being able to let go of our waking selves, being able to slip into the dreaming selves or being able to slip into our spiritual side of our nature. Because we do have both sides. We do have that physical side and we do have the spiritual side. And similar to the professor that was disproving the existence of psychics, you know, we really are that way with our spiritual side. A lot of times we'll sit in our physical side and say, I demand that the spiritual come over here and prove, prove itself to me when it's there the entire time. It's there the entire time. We are just not making any room for it. We're not going looking for it. We're not allowing for it. We're not trying to have a relationship with ourselves. It is there. And take my word for it or not, or perhaps you already have this inkling that you know that you have the spiritual side. Maybe you've had some of these same experiences that I've had, and you're just trying to understand exactly what it is. Well, that's part of that relationship. The same way we have to have a relationship with the divine, we have to have a relationship with our own spiritual side. And... That really is what it's about. Our relationship for the divine is our model for all of the relationships that we have, with, including the relationship that we have with ourselves. You know, we have to try to, to emulate that in all parts of our lives, and it begins with us. So that's it. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to throw this one out there and try to find something new and uh, look forward to a video. I don't know what I'll really be doing out there. I don't know, maybe just showing how all this stuff works in practice. All right, cheers. I'll talk to you.